Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not in today. Today, today is Friday, October 27th, year of our Lord, 2023. And we are all geeked out here to start our question and answer Friday. But of course, first, we got to give a shout out to Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore in Oxford, Michigan, and Michigan Church Supply in Mount Morris, Michigan. Big shout out to our foreign correspondents, Patricia in Scotland, Brenvan in Canada, eh? Uh, Sabine in the Fatherland, Richard in England, and Margaret in New Zealand. And a big hello and howdy hi to people all over this great nation of ours. Uh, today, I think I'm going to give a special shout out to the people of Houston because we found out we've got a ton of people listening in Houston, and my nephew lives there. So he's better than you, uh, and him and his wife are expecting another little squeaker who I am going to spoil. Uh, I am always the sugar and drums uncle, right? I'm the guy who gets there, jacks them full of sugar, gives them a set of drums, and leaves like it's a crime scene. Uh, I had some very exciting news today. I received my new license plate for my car. Which camera? This one? There it is, folks. Grand Blank Pope. Yes, uh, I am infallible in matters of stuff and things. Uh, so this is my new license plate. GB Pope, Grand Blank. I swear I live now. I was going to put Holy Family Pope, but then I was afraid our Blessed Mother might like have something to say about that. <laughs> so uh, last night, uh, I want to tell you something before we launch that... Um, the last two weeks have been very, very dark. I've had to um, enter some real dark situations, deal with some very dark things, and then the uh, complete moral failures of the church in Rome, uh, really more of them became public. It's just in a low, dark place. And last night, we were going to Grand Rapids for my hearing stuff and to give a talk at St. Anthony of Padua. And uh, what happened there, I, I got to tell you, I told Dad when I came home, I never assume my high school students remember me. Or if they do, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I wasn't a bad priest or whatever. But, like, six, I think, of my former students showed up and, like, loved on me and let me hug them. And I can't tell you. Um, and then there were, I believe, three of my MSU students uh, that were also there that came, let alone all the beautiful people I didn't know. And of course, uh, my Martha was there and Karen was there and they were horrible as usual. Uh, the whole time I was talking, they were like, get a real speaker in there, uh, which I'm going to be honest, it hurt my feelings. But um, it really lifted up my heart. It did. And last night, really for the first time in some time, I put my gargantuan cranium down on the pillow and I slept. I just slept through the whole night. Although I told John I did have a dream that I was playing for the Tigers. True story. But as I am, meaning I've never been a good baseball player. It's my favorite sport, but I'm the worst at it. And it showed in this dream. Like, I was ruining everything. And Justin Verlander was our manager, 
which he should be pitching. Uh, but I did hit a home run in the dream. I uh, Verlander told me if you hit a home run, everything's okay with all the stupid stuff you did to ruin this game. And we beat the Red Sox, whom I don't like very much. So that was the dream. And I have no idea why I'm telling you this. But if anyone named Jung is listening, I'm going to ask you to forget that whole thing. So uh, we've got some questions here we're going to launch into. If you have any, please submit them, uh, and we'll get after it. The first one's easy. It's not a faith-based question. It's a history question. Someone pointed out to me that in my bulletin article, uh, you may, for those of you who go here to Holy Family or St. Mark, I put a little thing in the bulletin showing the type of coin Jesus would have been talking about in last, what's it called, last Sunday's gospel. And uh, even the coin, it was not the coin he was likely to have held, but the same type of coin. And in it, I made a comment that that was during the reign of the emperor Tiberius. And I said, but no one called him emperor. And somebody was like, what the heck did they call him? Uh, When you look at Rome, you can divide it all into basically four chunks. Okay. First, they were a king... Okay, uh, everything just disappeared. Carrie spilled vodka all over the computer. Uh, first, you have what they call the, the period of the kings, seven kings. Uh, and then they had the period of the republic. Um, and then you have this period in between the republic and the next one. The next thing after the republic, we, we call the uh, emperor, uh, the, the time of the emperors. And then you have the time we call the dominant which started with a guy named, uh, what was his name? Diocletian. But that time between the Republic and the Dominate, which probably lasted almost 300 years, you did have the illusion of a Republic. And everybody was kind of comfortable with that lie. So while you had 99.9999999% of the power of the government consolidated in one human, it was in the best interest of that human to maintain the illusion that your vote still mattered, okay? Um, And that's during the time of, that we're talking about here, like Tiberius and Caligula and Nero, and, and I mean, just dozens and dozens of emperors. We call them emperors from the Latin word imperator, general, but that's not what they called themselves. They tended to call themselves princeps, or princeps, meaning first man. Uh, But mostly, people just called them by their first name. Uh, The key was to pretend that there was still a republic. Okay? So when I say the emperor, what's his butt? Tiberius. Nobody called him emperor. Um, They called him princeps or princeps, depending on whether you're using church Latin or classic Latin. And they would have called him his first name, which was Billy. Okay, I made that part up. So again, why didn't they call him emperors? Because they really weren't. Why do we call them emperors? It just helps. It helps us to understand what they were. If we said princeps, that doesn't mean much to us. Emperor is the best word in English that we have for what they were. Imperator, right? They were in charge. Um, and to be clear, the Republic was a total illusion, and everyone knew that. Uh, so that's that. Okay. Uh, next question. 
Uh, is it true that exorcisms are more difficult today because the deposit of faith is lower because we don't pray anymore? No, uh, not that I'm aware of. Um, I just had an exorcism done over me yesterday. Ah! Um, that I'm aware of. I haven't heard that from any exorcists, and I know a few. Um, exorcisms are exorcisms. Uh, and if you'll excuse the bluntness, it's the priest following the ritual and having the moral spiritual authority to do it that matters. Yeah, don't think of faith, uh, the deposit of faith like a fuel tank, because it's not. There is unlimited grace available to us at all times. Uh, it's us filtering it that gets us in trouble. So uh, I just went to a thing with um, Focus, uh, what do you call it? Exorcists, right? Led by a couple exorcists, two of the big ones in the U.S. They never mentioned anything about it. Um, you might see more exorcisms, right? Like one of the big factors is unbaptized people right? Unbaptized people are always much more susceptible to exorcism than baptized people. Our country, more than many, used to be just filled with baptized Christians. They might have been jerks. They might have not been really Christians, but they were baptized, which makes a significant difference in the ability to get possessed. But more and more, I find Catholics are comfortable foregoing baptism. Um, yeah, so... Oh, where are we at? In regard to the luminous mysteries and the baptism of Christ, why did Christ choose to be baptized? Okay, there's a couple things to think of here. And one is Jesus flat out tells John why, right? Remember when Jesus went to get baptized, John was like, hey, cuz. And Jesus was like, what's up, cuz? Okay, that's not exactly how it went, but it was very close. And John tells him, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, well, it's necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So we got a couple things going on there. At core, the easiest answer is this. Why did Jesus get baptized? Because the Father told him to. And Jesus obeyed the Father, always, to the point of death. Okay? Disobedience is what got us in trouble as humans. So Jesus came to show us this is obedience. There's other things you can look at. Uh, for example, Jesus was carrying in himself fully human nature and a fully divine nature. Um, and in the boy, this is tough. But this is the wonder of the incarnation: the idea that God joined human nature to divine nature, and that in that process, everything Jesus did that was human, except sin, he made holy. So you've heard me quote Dr. Crafe about this. So the first time little baby Jesus uh, cried, human tears became holy. So one of the saints, it's in our bravery, and I forget which one, but talks about how when Jesus was baptized, he made water holy, right? He who made the water holy by the baptism. And in that also, our human nature was baptized. So that's another way to look at it. Okay. What do you think? Is that good? Yeah? All right. Next. Padre, you built something wonderful called community. Oh, nice. Last night at St. Anthony, our prayers are being heard. Speaking of hearing, how did your appointment go? Okay. So uh, I, I did, uh, I told you this, right, about the guy who approached me and asked me to pray for his hearing. Please say it again. 
Okay, so a guy approached me and asked me, will you pray for my hearing? I was like, sure. So I put my hands over his ears and I prayed. And then when I finished, I said, well, do you notice anything, and uh, any difference? And he said, well, it's not till next week. Thank you, John. Oh, let her rest. Not till next week. There we go. Again, Carrie's drunk. We're going to need your forgiveness for her. Uh, so how did my appointment go? Uh, good. Um, my hearing is just very, very bad, and it gets worse. And this is just my life now. Uh, these hearing aids are a remarkable gift. I thank the Lord every day for them. I thank the Lord for Doc Kazmierski. I, I, I thank the Lord for her people there. She has people. She has people. And she has a new office, by the way, which is a tricky, tricky little office because when you roll up, you open one door, and now you're in, I think you call it a breezeway or something, entryway, and then you see like this dark wall with a door, and you open that door, but it's the window is dark. It's a mirror. So I did all my hair and makeup before I went in, and apparently they could watch me. The receptionist did say they watch people do that all the time. Isn't that funny? So you're standing there, and you think you're looking at a mirror, and you are, but they're looking at you. It's like a police station. Uh, Becky is a cop. Um, But uh, the appointment went great. They replaced some of the equipment and both of my hearing aids, and uh, I can hear much clearer today, I noticed. And I noticed, like, when I put my hearing aids on, this little string that goes from the back of my ear to the hole in my ear is much stiffer, which is actually nice. So, You have a few questions about your hearing, so you might want to explain that. Oh, okay. So for those of you who are new to this, I'm pretty significantly hearing impaired. I have to wear two hearing aids, and they're special hearing aids. They're very groovy. They have AI chips in them. If I did not have them, I couldn't hear confessions anymore. Everybody talking, it sounds like they're talking through a washcloth. So, like, at the end of the night, at the end of the day, sorry, I take my hearing aids out, and I told Dad this. It's the equivalent of feeling shut in a tomb. I can't hear. I mean, I can hear dull sounds, but when they do the hearing test, there's this thing that they call a cookie bite. And so low sounds are way up here, and I can hear them just fine. When men talk, I tend to be able to somewhat hear them. Uh... But then it just goes down like this. And the higher the pitch, the less able I am to hear it. So I have a sister, Lori, who's a very soft talker with a high voice. I cannot hear her, even with these, right? It's just uh, I, I can't really talk on the phone that much anymore. Uh, although Apple makes these things for hearing impaired people that I just got. I spent a ton of money. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but they were like 300 bucks. Seriously. Uh, but boy, uh, I think I can talk on the phone now. Like I'm shocked at how clear I can hear. It's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, my hearing's bad. It's unless the Lord does something, it's going to get worse. Most of my mom's brothers lost their hearing. I think, I can't think of one that didn't, right? All of my mom's brothers lost their hearing, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so uh, I remember like my uncles, a couple of them when I was a boy, would have these huge boxes hanging around their necks. Do you remember that? With these big things that went in and that's the only way they could hear. Uh, I want one of those. Okay. But there were times before this set of hearing aids 
where I had cut the nozzle off funnels and I would tuck my ear in the hole and push the end of the funnel into the screen so I could hear confessions. And I would just have headaches all the time. It was so hard to hear and I really had to focus and, and I'm not good at focus. So I praise the Lord every day for these. And, uh, I don't know why I resisted them for so long. Uh, but Deacon John Amthor one day in Hudson just set me down and laid me out very lovingly, but very firmly. You have a hearing problem and uh, you need to get help. I got help and it changed my life. And I'm so glad it was one of the best things I've ever done. Right. That and predicting. No, no, I guess I was wrong. because I predicted Philadelphia and Texas in the World Series before the playoffs started. And I was only 50% right. Arizona, massive props. Okay, next question. Hello! That's how it's written. There's like eight O's on there. Uh, this is a non-religious question. My husband, Christopher Fidoa, always listens to your podcast. And yesterday, he was listening to you when he picked up my daughter from acting classes. Both are huge fans of BattleBots. Oh my gosh, me too. My dad and I watch it over and over and over. We watch it religiously. That's probably top three favorite shows on TV. Anyway, uh, both are huge BattleBots fans. My daughter thought it was super cool of you being a priest and wonders who's your favorite bot. Okay, so Sawblaze has always been my favorite. Um, and last season, he won the whole thing. You remember that, Pa? Um I just like him. I like his bot. I like the idea of his bot. Um, last year, the one that blew me away was that one. I'm probably going to say the name. Was it Pizza Roni? Remember that uh, they had a spinner, but off to the side. And that bot looked dangerous. I, I felt like it could have won any of the fights that it was in. Uh, for those of you not familiar, truly that show is a riot to watch. Uh, people construct robots uh, based on specific specs. They can't weigh more than 250 pounds. And they put them in an arena and they battle. And I just think it's one of the best things. And they have fun with it. Like it's, it's intentionally cheesy. Like they have an announcer uh, named Farouk who does these, you know, like prize fighter intros. Um, and you guys, when if you first watch it, the first time you're like, you just don't realize how big those robots are because they're next to each other. So you think they're about this big. They're bigger than my desk. And they've got ones with uh, blades that spin uh, 800. Uh, I mean, it's just, it would blow you away. It would blow you away. Um, I also like uh, the flipper bot that that Wisconsin team built. Do you remember its name? Um, shoot, I can't believe I'm freezing up. But oh yeah. So anyway, sorry, I'm going on and on. I love the show BattleBots. If you haven't watched it, good, clean, fun, um, and massive destruction and explosions. Like when you have a fire-breathing bot and the opponent punctures the fuel tank. Oh my. Oh my. So for your daughter who loves BattleBots, uh, I'm so glad she does. And I'm so glad she watches them with her pa. Uh, so way to go, guys. Great show. Oh my gosh. Um, 
Okay, I hope... Oh, I already read this one, didn't I? Yep. Uh, From a non-Catholic whose father and brother are pastors, what do Catholics believe about the rapture? Are those going to heaven who get through before the rapture takes place separated or experience judgment differently from those left behind? Um, Okay, so for those of you not familiar, uh, I'm actually quite familiar with this phenomenon. Many or some, I'm not sure how to quantify it, of our Protestant brothers and sisters believe in this phenomenon called the rapture. And it comes from a line in scripture where Paul is talking about the end of time, how we will be caught up in the air, right? So what you have is among uh, our fundamentalist brothers and sisters, variations of this idea, okay? That at some point, humans will disappear. The the saved will. Um, And either they will, like, we'll watch them ascend to heaven, right? Or they'll simply disappear. And what we'll know is that God has taken, whoa, hey, how's it going? God has taken, that was me, sorry, I I knocked my mic. God has taken all his saved people up to heaven, okay? And then they believe variations of things. So then uh, some say there will be a try a period of tribulation. So what they do is they don't read Revelations as concerning the fall of the Roman Empire, they read it as a prophecy for how the world is going to specifically end, okay? So they see a period of seven years of tribulations, grotesque sufferings inflicted on the human race globally to compel people to repent so that God can get them home eventually, right? And some people believe that this will all precipitate in the rise of an antichrist, a world leader that will unite everyone under one government, and then there will be a big battle in a valley, uh, in the valley of Armageddon, which is up uh, northern Israel, southern the Golan Heights, basically uh, Megiddo. Uh, if you want to look at your map, I think it's Megiddo. Uh, so, as a general rule, and I know for our, our brothers and sisters who believe in the rapture, I know I didn't cover it, but I'm just trying to give people, a, specifically Catholics, a general sense of this. Um, and there's some who say the, oh, and then all that period ends with Jesus coming back. And all the people who repented during this time of tribulation will get to go home. Everybody else will go to hell. Um, so, some who believe in it believe that you'll be raptured before the period of tribulation. Some say you'll be raptured during, some say after. There's lots of variations on this. Now, as a Catholic, I do not necessarily believe in the rapture, right? The Catholic Church is kind of funny about the end of the world. Basically, the teachings of the church on the end of the world are sort of limited. What they teach is we don't know when, we don't know how, it's not our business. Okay? And I know that sounds funny, but that is a very Catholic approach. Uh, the idea we simply live every day like it could be today, because it could, right? And that way we don't, and because of that, we don't really have a vested interest in digging in and finding out anything else, because we don't think we can know it. We uh, go after, we look at uh, those times when Jesus talked about it and said, you can't know the day or hour. He even said, I don't know the day or hour. So we figure if the big guy don't know, we can't figure it out. Um, 
And we also believe that because of free will, a human can actually change that equation, right? That whatever God's intentional plan is, that because of, for the end of the world, which I believe is supposed to be Tuesday. So, you know, try not to have any money in your savings account because that's just weird. Uh, but all kidding aside, um, gosh, I made my joke and then I lost my point. Isn't that great? Isn't that fantastic? Oh, here's the thing. Like, maybe God's intentional will is that the world ends July 3rd of 2024. But if tomorrow someone initiates a nuclear exchange with a nu another sup nuclear superpower, well, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll end it. You know, it's just, what do you do? Um, free will seems to mitigate a hard, fast plan. Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's what I got. So I hope this sounds is helpful, right? We do believe all humans will experience two judgments, okay? The first is on social media. I'm just kidding. No, the first judgment will be... <laughs> um, <laughs> For those of us who die before the end of the world, right? Um, <clears throat> and what we believe is they experience an individual judgment uh, of heaven or hell. Um, and then we believe there will be a collective judgment at the end of time. I think I'm right on that, but don't quote me. I could be wrong, right? The sheep and the goats thing. Okay. I hope that was helpful. We could do a little crash course on rapture. So, well, I just did, didn't I? I mean, okay. Uh, can anyone can baptize someone even if the person doing the baptism isn't Catholic? Question mark. Yeah, that's correct. In an emergency situation, uh, I think I've told you I saw a, a Jewish doctor baptize a baby when I was working at Detroit Receiving because it's what the parent wanted, and that child was not going to live very long at all. So he uh, made the sign of the cross on their forehead with some water and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, in an emergency situation, anyone can do a baptism. I think in any situation. Now, what is the church like? If it's a little squiggly or an adult and there's not danger of death, you should follow a process so that if it's an adult, they understand what they are baptized into. And if it's a squiggly, so that their mom and dad understand what they're promising. I... I hope I say this well. I, I get worried sometimes when I do baptisms for little babies because I don't know if the mom and dad are listening, right? And I get it. I, I can't imagine being a parent. But like three times in there, the par parents vow that they're going to raise this child in the faith, which it means you might miss soccer practice. You know what I mean? Uh, which a lot of parents aren't willing to do. Uh, and it's really wild because I think, you made a vow. It's a big deal. And I do get nervous. You know, we try to prep them, right? Because to me, baptism prep is super easy. I know pastors were like, you will meet with the priest 32 times. I'm like, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Me, I just go through their promises. These are the things you're going to promise. Do you think you can keep those promises? How can we as a church help you keep those promises? But what can you do? Humans are free. For the most part. Uh, hold on. Hmm? 
Oh, go one up. Does your hearing make confessions difficult? Yes, it can. Um, this is not a complaint. This is a reality of humans. The people whom I have to ask to repeat themselves never seems to change their volume. I don't know what it is, right? It'll be, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm hard of hearing. Can you speak louder? Sure. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, I think um, no one's trying to be rude or selfish or whatever. I can't think of a time in the last three years that I've said to someone in the confessional, I'm so sorry, I can't hear you, and had them actually talk louder. I don't know what that is. Um, especially kids. Uh, most kids in the confessional, I simply cannot hear, and I can't get them to be any louder. Uh, and again, don't, I hope you don't hear a complaint. It's the human condition. We all got our things. Uh, but as a hearing impaired person, it's so tough. Like the 50th time you have to say to someone, I'm so sorry, I can't hear you. Because uh, then you feel like a jerk if it's the confessional, right? You just do. And most times I give up. If I ask you three times and you don't talk louder, I give up. And no, they don't know I've given up, but you get a pretty basic penance, you know, because I don't know what you did. <laughs> All right, give me five bucks and get out of here. I'm just kidding. Uh, the other way it's hard is I can't hear confessions anymore during mass. So this is messing up our Wednesday confessions, right? A bit, uh, that people keep showing up at the last minute. Sorry, did I sound irritated? So we list the confessions as starting at 515 and ending at six. And that's with two priests, right? Um, We've been starting them earlier and earlier and earlier just because of the line. So we consistently start at at least 5 p.m. This week, we started at 10 to 5. People were waiting. Praise the Lord. Um, but the problem is, here, here's what we run into. So now it's quarter to six. Our usher, which is sometimes Carrie, sometimes it's Chuck. I mean, there's just lots of people who do this. We'll look at the line and go, we can't get anybody else in line because Joe can't hear confessions during Mass. I can't hear at all during Mass. The speakers, uh, it's just how it is. So they'll say, hey, guys, we need you to make it crisp. Uh, Father's only got 10 minutes left. And for some reason, people get mad at that. Isn't that funny? It's like, no, if you all want to go to confession, we need you to tighten it up a little. Right. Uh, and it is funny. I don't know what percentage. I think most people you've said are very gracious. Most people. Yeah. But not always. Um, and it is irony of ironies to yell at someone who's trying to help you get a confession. Like there's levels of irony. Uh, but one thing I do appreciate is, well, heck, I'm about to get absolved. I might as well pull the pin and throw the grenade, you know. All right. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, if they want to yeah. be mad, they can yell at me. I'd rather them yell at me than anybody else because yeah. I get paid to get yelled at. <laughs> you get yelled at a lot. People are... It's okay. Uh, I'll tell you what. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Anyway, so that's confessions. Uh, where I have a hard time is twofold. Well, maybe three. I guess the best way to say it, quiet talkers, children, and I can't hear confessions anymore during mass. It's just impossible to hear. Um, so that's tough. Can I read lips ish? If I can hear you and look at your lips, I can understand. But 
two troubles. One, me staring at your lips is creepy. There's no way around it, right? Uh, there's just, it's like, I was talking to a priest and he kept staring at my mouth. I'm like, you got a pretty mouth, you know, but it's it's more just, it helps me. Uh, in crowds in particular, like, I don't go to, like, I just don't go to parties. I don't go to things like that because I can't understand anybody. Uh, if there's more than one person talking, I really, really struggle. Um Wow, it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not, by the way. I'm so blessed by these hearing aids. Like, if I didn't have them, I couldn't be a priest, guys. If you can't hear, well, I could be, but I would have to be a priest in a deaf community. You know? Okay. Um, is there a reason why All Souls is not a holy day compared to All Saints? It is important to remember the departed with the day having meaning. Oh, okay. It is important to remember the departed. With the day having, okay, I'm struggling here, but I think what the person is saying, okay, your father went to be with the Lord this last year, so all souls is super important to you. So why is all saints a holy day of obligation and not all souls? I honestly have no idea. I mean, I'm sure somebody knows, but it ain't me. Uh, To me, I'd make them both holy days of obligation. But I guess part of it is the church doesn't want to double stack, I'm guessing, holy days of obligation. When the church declares something a holy day of obligation, that means missing it is a very, very big deal. Truly. Um, Now, missing it randomly, if it's like, I physically can't get there, right? Work won't let me out. The mass schedule in town doesn't accommodate it. Well, obviously, the Lord's not a jerk. But if it's, I don't want to go, or it's inconvenient, uh, or, you know, again, I'm sorry to harp on this, but my kids have sports practice, uh, then that's not a legitimate excuse at all. God could give a rip about the sports thing. You know, I think. I mean, he cares, right? Because you care. But he'd also like you to care about what he cares about. He's kind of big on that. Okay. How we doing? All right. Two questions, but they were very similar, so I put them together. Okay, groovy. I am curious about the day our Sabbath. Uh, the day, I am very curious about our Sabbath day. Why do other religions celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday? Can you talk more about it? Seventh Day Adventists are very adamant that the Sabbath is on Saturday. Okay, yeah, groovy. Um. God declared a Sabbath, right? That there is a day of rest, which we all ignore. Uh, <laughs> um, on a side note, you know, that's one of like when people, Christianity's done nothing good for the world. Really? We gave you all weekends. You're welcome. Right, Roman Empire? You worked seven days a week. Uh, paganism, you worked seven days a week. Now, they had holidays that you could get off. But it was the church who said, Everybody should get a Sabbath. And I kid you not, that is a historical fact. We gave you weekends. You're welcome. Uh, and by the way, okay, I was going to make a Friday night joke. Right. The thanks for uh, giving you Saturdays and Sundays is let's debauch on Friday. Okay. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate that. Uh, where'd it go? Okay. So what is the Sabbath? Uh, if you go by math, uh, obviously, if you want an Old Testament Sabbath, then do what the Jews do, which is Sabbath starts Friday at sunset till Saturday at sunset. Um, and that's where the Seventh-day Adventist thing confuses me. 
as I, I hope this doesn't sound mean, but it's like Christians don't know the real Sabbath. No, we know the Jewish Sabbath, the one you celebrate. We celebrate the Christian Sabbath, the day Jesus rose. We believe we received a new covenant with the Lord or a new testament. <gasps> and so we adjusted the Sabbath accordingly. We believe that all creation uh, in the resurrection changed fundamentally. And that that is the expression of the new covenant, is that we celebrate Sabbath about Saturday, about 4 o'clock, till Sunday, about 4 or 5 o'clock. That's why, by the way, did you know this? There's a, some discussion about evening masses on Sunday that they, you could argue they're not following the rules of the Sabbath. Really? Which would kill every college kid I've ever met. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the church doesn't care. We're not legalists. Well, we are, but we shouldn't be. Um, so the Seventh-day Adventists are right about the day of the Jewish Sabbath. Uh, we're not Jews. We're Christians. Yeah, The Jews are our spiritual parents. Uh, but typical teenagers, we rebel. <laughs> Was that helpful? I don't know. Did I answer the question? Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's what we got. Okay, why do the Jews celebrate the Sabbath when they do? Because God told them to. Why do we celebrate it when we do? Because God told us to. Uh, that Either way, you get a two-day weekend. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, let me see. How are we for time? I'm looking at which ones to get after. Okay, I think I could do the next couple. What is this HBO one? Okay. Um, I recently read Fulton Sheen's autobiography, Treasures in Clay, and it's one of the best books I've ever read. I then visited his tomb in Peoria and prayed for his ministry there. For this ministry. Oh, for this ministry. Oh my gosh, thank you. I love that guy. Okay. Uh, would you be up for starting some sort of veneration of Fulton Sheen in the church and on the show? I've never felt that call. I mean, I dig the dude, and I'm waiting for the church to get it together. Right now, it's a bit of a political fight. This will shock you, but there's politics in the church. What? What? That never, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there is politics. Yes! Is that a new sound effect? First time. I've never found such an appropriate time for that. I like it. And I, it still goes with... <laughs> everything goes with a scream. Um, yeah, I love the brother. I've never felt any call. Um, but you know what we could do? We could do a show on Fulton Sheen. He has an interesting life. There's an article about him called A Failed Bishop. Because he was an utter disaster as an administrator. It's really wild. Uh, but just such a lovely, saintly, brilliant uh, soul. Um, and imagine this. Can you imagine in this day and age, think about this, a Catholic priest who has a television show that's so popular that NBC showed it every week from 9 to 10 on Thursdays. Think about that. And not like a Catholic variety show, but him teaching. But that's what they did. He was so good. At, oh, you know what? Let's do that. Let's remember, we're going to do a show on Bishop Fulton Sheen. Awesome. And you know about this? The young actor, Martin Estevez, who came and heard him preach. Martin Estevez? Oh, so Martin Sheen. Martin Estevez came and met him. 
was blown away by his teaching, converted to a real Catholicism instead of the surface thing, and changed his name to honor him. That's where he got Sheen. So that's where you get Martin Sheen, and that's where you get half of his kids' names Estefes and half named Sheens. The ones born before he met Sheen, the ones born after. Uh-huh. I never do this. How do you like that? Yeah. At least that's what I was told. I don't know. I've never met the brother, meaning Martin Sheen. Yeah. Although I loved his movie. Okay. I hated The West Wing. And I mean, it was like just so pure propaganda. It just drove me nuts. It's like they think you're that stupid, right? Where you'll just watch political propaganda disguised as entertainment and be fooled. Like, oh, you know, this is what is. Okay. Sorry. I'm a little angry about it. As the synod on synodality approaches, questions arise. Carrie, stop making those childish noises. Could you explain the dubia submitted by the few bishops and explain the vicar's answer? Not so well, to be honest. Part of the problem, in my opinion, which is worth very little, is no one at the synod seems to understand what the synod is about. They all give different answers. And you can literally find any answer you want, depending on your news source, as to what their goal is. Um, and the listening, come Holy Spirit. So, was it two days ago? I can't remember. Where... Pope Francis did this thing on clericalism and priests buying cassocks in Rome, and and he said it in his um, really expensive uh, papal outfit. Um, and the same day, it became public that one of his Jesuit brothers, who had committed, and I mean this, some of the most vile sexual abuse I've read about, including stuff that was satanic, that he was still functioning as a priest, very quietly. The same day that he was chastising priests for clericalism, he was doing. He was exposed for doing one of the most clerical things in the world. Rules for me, not for thee. And there was a couple levels to this that I found particularly grotesque. One is a demon. His artwork is all over the Vatican because he's a friend of Rome. He's still functioning as a priest. When he, The only reason he is is because he's liked by the king in Rome. The second is, I've bought many cassocks in Rome. You know why? Because they're better and they're cheaper than the ones in the U.S. And that's a fact. And I know that sounds funny, but all the listening seems to be what I experienced over and over at MSU. Right, what I experienced over and over from younger people, you just need to listen, Father. Great, I'll listen, but the listening only goes one way. Um, there's and it, and and it's like we set up this hierarchy. You know what I mean? Like if you're if I've decided you're privileged because I judge you by the color of your skin, then your opinion has less value than I who've decided mine has more, right? Do, do, do you get 
the kind of naked power involved in saying, I'm looking at you physically. I'm looking at your gender, which all of a sudden we can assume, I guess. I'm looking at your skin color. And I'm deciding that that means you are a favored person. And I have that power to decide that because I'm not a favored, privileged person. No, that's the ultimate privilege to decide who gets to be listened to because they rank higher on the victim chart. Did you get me? And I know this sounds political. Like you listen to this, oh, he's a conservative. No, I'm really not. Not even close. Uh, I'm what used to be a liberal, but the left went so far left and the right went so far right that I can't get in with either of them. And it just seems to me that the synod reflects a lot of that. That mentality that there's a kind of human that's just bad, right? They're males and they're bad and everything they've done is bad and they have all the power. So what we're going to do is recreate a system where we have all the power. And what we'll do with that is tell those who had the power, you're awful, you're bad, you're low. We don't have to listen to you. What? Right? I just can't wrap my brain around it. And so in the end, part of you, you hear my problems with it, but I also want to be clear. I could be super wrong because everybody at the synod is telling us it means something different. So I don't know. I try to be comfortable with messy and the synod is messy. Um, and so I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it out, but it just doesn't seem like, I don't know. There's so much in my opinion, and my opinion means nothing, that we could be doing. Every dollar we spent could have went to the poor. Seriously. We really push that here at Holy Family. Are we taking money from the poor when we spend money? That's important for us to consider. Um, how much did this thing cost? How many of those under, you know, those folks who aren't privileged, do you think flew first class? You ever looked at a first class ticket to Rome? I don't know. I, I just get, there's so many things we could be dealing with. And all those participants at the Synod on the question and answer day, where it became clear what Rome had done to protect this predator, this satanic predator, no one asked a question about it. Not one. They asked about women deacons, right? Which the church, which Francis said two years ago, that ain't going to happen, sorry. They asked about all these little push-button issues. I don't know. I don't know. It really, really messed with my head and heart. So... What's going to happen? I have no clue. Um, but I know what did happen. And it horrifies me. It makes me physically ill. Uh, so what is the Synod doing? I don't know. I hope they enjoy their meetings. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. The, the, but any kind of hearing session not based on justice, I don't know what kind of fruit it's going to bear. And I can't remember who played a 15-minute 
speech at the synod where Jesus never came up once, where the gospel wasn't quoted once. Read every other document before this and see if the church can go 10 minutes without mentioning Jesus or the gospel. And I got to keep my heart open. I might not sound like I'm trying so hard to be open uh, because if God isn't smashing my boxes, then I'm just not listening to him. But as long as that priest's artwork is on all the sin and things, and it is, and they put it on there after he had been arrested, after he had been convicted. What, what is the fruit of that? What if I did that? My bishop had kicked my tail starting on one side of the diocese and finish on the other. And he should. But I don't know. Gosh, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not being scandalous. I don't want to be scandalous. And I... Uh, but I also don't want to lie. <laughs> you know, I don't want to put on a fake front. I'm confused, I'm irritated, and I'm moderately frightened. And that doesn't seem like a fruit of the Spirit. But whether that's because of my sin, or because of their sin, or because of some weird combo of both, I don't know. I'm working on it. Um. Oh, my German correspondent. I love Sabine. Someday I'm going to meet you. Wouldn't that be cool if we all went back to the fatherland? Sabine Dad is uh, one of our listeners in, in Germany. Yeah, what a great name. Okay, um, do you know the Brothers Zenos story? Boy, that's ringing a bell. <sighs> Did I ever tell the bell ringer story? You should tell the bell ringer story. Did I tell you about this, this um, way back in the day in Germany? Uh, there was uh, the, the guy who rang the bell for church died. So um, they put out an ad, you know, we need a new bell ringer. So a guy shows up who has no arms. I'm like, bro, how are you going to ring the bell? And he says, well, take me up. I'll show you. So they take him up the bell tower. He gets there, kind of backs up. You know, it's a big circle with a bell in the middle. And he runs forward and smashes his face into the bell and it rings. And they're like, seriously? He goes, oh, yeah, my father taught me this. This has been our family tradition for many years. All right, so he's got the job. And for 20 years, that's what he did. Every day when it was time to ring the bell, he'd back away from the bell way up in that high tower. He'd run forward, smash, slam his head against it. Well, one day, he's backing up, trips over the wall, falls all the way down to the ground and dies. And there's two passersby who see this dead dude laying in the street. They're like, who is that? The other guy says, boy, his face rings a bell. So then, okay, so then they put another ad in the paper. And another guy shows up with new arms, with no arms. And they're like, what is this? He goes, oh, my dad was the previous bell ringer. And it's our family tradition. I want the job. They give him the job. And for 10 years, he faithfully rings that bell. He backs up, runs forward, slams his face into the bell, and it rings. And then one day, just like his pa, he's backing up. He trips over the wall, falls down, hits the ground, and dies. And the same two guys are walking by. And they're like, hey, do you know who that is? The other guy said, well, of course I do. He's a dead ringer for his dad. Next 
Allow me to beg your forgiveness. Okay, it's Friday. We're almost out of time. We haven't talked about your death yet. We should just, talk about my death. I don't think it can be complete Because it is inevitable, right? Memento mori. Uh, so we were talking about my funeral plans. Remember? <laughs> Weren't we just doing this? Weren't we just talking about my funeral plans? And one of the things I thought would be really cool for my funeral plan is... Uh, if we were to like, first, I'm going to make my own casket. I told you this. I want to make my own casket and I do want duct tape to be involved. I think that'll really class it up. Right. And <laughs> dad's laughing at me. Okay. So, uh, it looks like we are just about done. I think I can do, Oh, Sabine. No, I'm sorry. At least I can't remember the brother Zeno story, but I'm going to look it up because it's, it's back there somewhere. You too. Yeah, it's 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 doing this to John too. So it must be something. I'll I'll look it up, Sess. Uh last question. Do you write articles for Faith magazine? You know, I have failed utterly for at least a year. I just haven't been able to find the time or the creative energy. And I feel like a horrible failure about it. And I'm so sorry. Um but uh running a couple uh parishes and being a dean and and uh i just find um and then doing this right uh i just find i'm really struggling like to answer questions i feel like i wrote for 10 years every month and i feel like i covered every topic i've got uh, so i don't know i gotta get after it because elizabeth is a goddess i love her i feel like such a fear i haven't called her i'm so ashamed do you know that? I haven't called her. I'm so ashamed. Um, so thanks for asking. No, I got to work through this. Okay. Oh, he was a brother who went to Japan with Maximilian Colby. Groovy. Okay. I knew I knew that name. Uh, okay. So someone asks about Cain and how he found a wife. That's from Genesis. So I'll tackle that next week. Can you help me remember that's our first question? Unless I die. In which case my replacement... We'll answer that question. And we do have a replacement lined up for when I die. It's a chimpanzee. Um, we're kind of excited. Uh, he is going to get paid more than me. But I think we can all agree that we'd be bananas to not hire him. <laughs> Carrie? <laughs> Carrie? Say it again. We'd be bananas to not hire him. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. Don't forget to tip your waitress and try the veal. It's tender tonight. <laughs> so... <laughs> I say we wrap this puppy up for the day, and here's why. Because I have to go clean the kitchen, which is a hog pen. I am embarrassed, right? Last night, Dad and I both got home from our respective events and just dumped crap on the counter and ran. And you know me, Carrie, I can't stand the thought of that. And I have to clean the counter because we have a guest arriving at 2. Her name is Eve, and she is a hairy dog. So I have to get her beds out. We, we, she can't go without beds. Marius only had six, and that was hard for him. So, the biggest question will be: Yeah, will Eve be a dog that lays behind me? We're gonna find out, sis. On the Eve cam. Yeah, we gotta find out if we're gonna have an Eve cam because we had a Marius cam, uh, and if we have one now, it would be in heaven. I may have to strap one to her, and she'll run around the. House. We could get her a GoPro. Right. Because here's the thing that I learned about Eve right away. She's got a lot of gas in the tank, and then she doesn't. 
Yeah. Like she's like Marius used to be, where she's either on crack or in a coma. Uh, and so, but she's old too, which means the crack period's going to be shorter and shorter. Yes. Um. So for those who don't know, Eve is the dog I'm adopting today, unless they visit the house and say no, which I'm kind of worried about in a sense. I mean, not worried. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But the gal who's babysitting her loves that dog. Yeah, fostering. And I mean, loves. And like three times was like, I'm going to cry. I'm like, if you cry, I'm giving the dog back because I'm a jerk for taking it. Right? You know what I mean? I just, I would feel like a, the devil, right? You know, give me your dog, you know. Uh, Dr. Carol is here. She said she can't wait to meet her. Oh, Doc, I just love you so much. Do you know Doc did, I told you this, and I'm going to say it again, I don't care. Have you ever thanked your vet who sent your dog home peacefully? Like how torturous it is. Like a beautiful soul, like my, my vet, my vet. Marius's vet and my friend, Doc Carroll, like they entered the vocation to heal animals and out of love, decide for the pain of helping them go home peacefully. Right? Like in nature, you die when another animal tears you apart or you starve to death. That's their lot. But there are these beautiful people in our lives, like in our case, Doc Carroll, who said, I'm going to volunteer for some awful pain. I'm going to do the opposite of my nature so that that dog doesn't hurt anymore. And I will never forget watching her give Marius that shot and crying for her as much as for me. And I mean it. Uh, and I thanked her. And I don't know if you've ever had a vet who had to do that grace for you. Because, like, God, this is probably terrible to say, but if you grew up on a farm, you know you go shoot them, and you cry, and it's awful. Um, But now we have people like her. And if you ever, at any point in your past, had a vet who did that for you, like for me, Doc LeBlanc, Doc Taylor, and Doc Carroll all did that, and thank them because they didn't want to do it. Um, They want to heal, but there was no more healing to be done. Um, and I will owe her for the rest of my life a joyful debt of love, even though she's a horrible person who beats me. Um, Pastor Marvin Williams is here today. Pastor Williams, get your butt over here. The only way State's going to win another football game is if you and I get together and do that exorcism. Yeah. Um, He is watching? What is wrong with him? You could be leading people to Jesus. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Williams is basically God's twin. Um, And God has made such a difference in my life from knowing him. And we got to get on here. We got to pick a scripture passage and just bleed it together. Oh, love that dude. Okay. Next week. Yeah. Wednesday, mm-hmm. we're going to reshow the show from la- or the talk you did from last night. Okay, and then Thursday, oh, nice. our guest is. Uh, okay, so we're talking about next week, and uh, so on Wednesday, we will show the talk I did last night. So if you were there, do not watch next week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on Wednesday, then on Thursday, we're going to interview. Uh, is that Grant? 
Um, we're going to interview a secret person whose name shall not be spoken. And then on Friday, of course, is our question and answer. So I can't wait to see you then. Um, and I'm going to ask you to please pray. I, I don't know how to explain how many priests are on the verge of despair right now. For some reason, of all the bonehead stuff the Vatican has done for 2,000 years, the stuff with that priest, it means the same people, the same leadership that will call us on the carpet for anything has different rules for themselves. And of course, that's always been the case. But this one is so grotesque. It's so awful. I've never, never had so many priests write me, young priests in particular, and just like, what do we do? And I know the answer is to be holy. I have no authority to change things, and I certainly don't have the power to change things. But I can be holy. Um, you can be holy. And we can pray for our church because it's a rack. It's always been a rack. But this is our rack now. And the one the Lord had us born into. And to quote St. Uh, Joan of Arc, I am not afraid. God is with me. I was made for this. That's what we got to remember. I'm not afraid. God is with me. I was made for this. You and I are not alive at this time by accident. We are alive by God's plan. So uh, pray for priests. Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Get all whatever. Oh, you got something for me? I don't know. I don't Next see it. Next Thursday says. is David, Dac Dr. Macquarie, and we will talk about hospice care. Okay, got it. Next week, Dr. David Macquarie, and we're going to talk about hospice. Groovy. Um, I'm not going to do hospice. I'm going to get hit by a cement truck. Salad pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Lord, what a mess we make of things, and thank you for loving the mess. And Father, you see the heartbreak of victims of the church. And you see the heartbreak of those who deal with the fallout every day of the sins in the church. And you see how tired we are. Whether it's having to embarrassingly tell people, yes, I'm Catholic or whether it's the nasty remarks people make or the assumptions they make. This is a mess we made. Help us to bear it well. You've shown us how to live and how to love. And you're the leader who will never let us down, so we'll follow you. We'll follow you from the womb We'll follow you into the temple. We'll follow you in the countryside. We'll follow you to the cross. And we'll follow you to the resurrection. Give us the grace to bear these things well with joy in our hearts and an abject conviction that no human can take the truth from us. And the truth is that we belong to you. And we'll be okay.
And Lord, where we need to repent and change, help us to repent and change joyfully. And where we need to stand strong, help us stand strong. Father, you know the people we love very much and worry about. And you know all the circumstances in our lives that cause us to fret. And we give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you beautiful people next week. And until then, peas are my gift to you.